0: He looking where's he looking and he did it and more the, than uh, once yeah, yeah. it's really really so unusual it. and he pummeled it he hit it a country mile for his second home run of the night and once again he's looking at something and then the next move is that powerful swing and a blast one to center field i've not seen that before with him no I've not ever no, seen, that. We've I've seen, seen him. And we both seen
1: him. I work from nine to five, hell I pay the price. All I want is to be left alone in my average home. But why do I
2: always feel like I'm in the trailing tune? I always feel like Oh, the New York Yankees. Aaron Judge, little Rockwell to open the show. What were you looking at, big fella? 99 having those wandering eyes. Was it a good looking Canadian woman in the front row? Was someone selling popcorn in the stands? Were you looking at the blue Jay signs? What really was going on with Aaron judge? We're going to hear from the big felon a little bit. We get his comments and more. Levac. Doing his thing. He's going to be popping in and out of the show today as well. A little content creation. You're going to hear from him in about 10 to 15 minutes as Kevin Sweeney joins us as well. Sports Illustrated talk about more. But Yankee fans, we want to hear from you today. We've done some mystery. We've done some crime solving here on the early editions of LeVac and Guys. We've been trying to find out who Antonio Elala is earlier in the month. Now we want to hear from you of what was Aaron Judge looking at yesterday? Now, Aaron Boone tossed early in the game. Yankees win 7 to 4. Judge is smashing the ball. But we want to know. And I'm okay with wrong answers. You can let us know on the Elevation 10,000 phone lines at 518 690 0980. 518 690 0980 is the Elevation 10,000 phone lines. Add Tom Was Easy on Twitter, and you're listening on the iHeart app. Hit that microphone right there. Let us know what Aaron Judge was looking at. If For those of you who may not know what we're talking about, Aaron Judge has got 8.9 million views and counting on social media in less than 24 hours because of the home run that was hit out in Canada, and the broadcast crew that you just heard there, Buck Martinez and Dan Shulman, were noticing that Aaron Judge's eyes were Heading towards the dugout. Judge was asked post game about what was he looking at.
0: A lot of chirping from our our dugout, which I really didn't like in the situation where it's a six nothing game and I know Booney got tossed. Like I was trying to save Booney by calling timeout. Like, hey, hold up here. Like, let me let me work here. So I was kind of trying to see who was who was chirping in the dugout, so it's six nothing. Like let's Booney got tossed, let's just go to work now.
2: To quote Ron Burgundy, I don't believe you. Aaron Judge. I, I, that sounds good. In a while to think about that, someone probably alerted you that you might get asked about that in the post game press conference, and you came up with a pretty good answer. Come on. Yankee fan, we can all admit it. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to just talk to you about what happened. I'm not here to judge. Look at that pun intended. If he stole the sign, he stole the sign. Hey, if Toronto was that dumb, to let it be that quick to be figured out what they were doing and where the ball was going, Aaron Judge just looked over there, saw it, picked it up, and cranked one deep. That's not Aaron Judge's fault. I'm not going to criticize the guy. I'm not going to come on here today and tell you, Aaron Judge is a cheater. Ah, No, we're not doing that. This is competition. This is sports. This is a game you tipped off your strategy, Toronto. Sorry. He picked it up. He was smart enough. I don't care what sport it is, whether it's baseball and you figured out the bunt, you figured out the steal sign, you didn't use electronics, you're not using Apple watches and UFOs or drones. If you actually within the game picked it up and used it to your advantage, congratulations, you deserve it. Cross sport comparison, if you're watching a football game and the offensive tackles in a three-point stance on every run play and a two-point stance on a passing play. Not your fault you were able to figure that out watching film. Sorry, you tipped off the pitch. You tipped off your stance. You tipped off the play. I don't care if you're playing poker with your buddy and he touches his face when he's got a good hand and he's trying to bluff. I don't care if you're playing Uno with one of your young siblings or cousins and all of a sudden they smile and they draw a draw for any competition from games to sports and more. If you... Give us what you're trying to do in your strategy. You should be allowed to take advantage. I know we're the home for the Boston Red Sox here on Fox Sports 95, 9, and 980. And Red Sox fan, you may not feel the same way as New York sports fan. Look, you can be a New York sports fan, but root for teams in New England. There's no doubt that can happen. Boston Dan, one of our favorites, has that New York-Boston crossover. But I think even a Red Sox fan might have to admit, this isn't Houston Astro-level cheating. This is not that level. The only thing was the Canadian crew of Shulman and Martinez and credit to where credit's due because professional broadcast crews sometimes get criticized more than complimented. The fact that they were able to paint that picture and tell that story on the broadcast of look at the ALNVP looking over to the dugout. What's, what's he looking at? What's over there? Is he looking at the pitch? John Boy Media will give them love because they shared it on social media and we've seen them almost walk us through sometimes of what's exactly going on on some of that stuff. The ball goes over the fence. The Yankees win the game. The Yankees continue to improve from where they were just a few weeks ago and plays like this have helped in the homers from Aaron Judge. We knew he was going to have an impact. That's an obvious statement for how good he's been in 2022. Now moving into 2023, the Yankees struggling without his bat in the lineup. Oh, well, boy, I didn't expect this. Maybe Aaron Judge has been doing some extra work in the film room, seeing opposing pitchers. Some young athletes don't do those types of things because they've been able to get away with talent throughout their entire career and not had to worry about getting that extra step, that extra motivation, that extra edge in a game. Maybe Aaron Judge has been doing this a lot more in his career, and finally he's been a busted's not the right term. Exposed maybe is a better term of showing how he was able to have success against Toronto. I don't believe that the Boone stuff and the chirping and everything else, I I just don't buy that during a nap bat. You want to tell me that when Aaron Judge is hanging out in the dugout? You want to tell me that when Aaron Judge has maybe got a mouthful of sunflower seeds or something else going on? I can buy that. But stuff like this, and we say this every single baseball season, and this is where the smile should come across Yankee fans. If you're an Aaron Boone hater, shh. Today's not the day because remember a few years ago when Aaron Boone had the savage take and I just referenced John Boy Media, how their company basically blew up because they got the raw tape, the raw footage of Aaron Boone going out and defended his players talking about how they were savages in the box. Now clean that up. Sorry, the podcast audience is going to get that either. This felt like one of those games, didn't it? Didn't it feel like the turning point for the Yankees season? Rarely do we call the pinstripes the underdog, the team fighting from the bottom, working their way back up to the top. But something about that game felt like that when Boone's losing his mind, when your friends and fellow Yankee fans and your group chats are starting to say, yeah, Booney, way to go, Booney. Judge called him Booney earlier. That term of endearment that makes you want to root for a guy like that. Even when the Yankees are winning, Boone is losing his mind. you know how easy it is for so many coaches and managers to just chill when your team's winning? Because you're getting the job done. Your job is to win games and sports, and your team's winning. You can just chill if you want and only get worked up when your team is losing momentum or losing a lead. Boone didn't do that. Boone wanted to spark something, and the sparks are flying. I can't wait for tonight. I'm so fired up for Yankees Blue Jays tonight. Our pal Brady Farkas is going to join us a little later in the show. He's a former college baseball pitcher, and I want to get his perspective on this, too. But now that it's public, now that it's been exposed, now that it's out there, what does that mean? How can that happen with Aaron Judge now being potentially targeted by the Toronto Blue Jays tonight? Is Big 99 gonna get one in the back? Are we gonna see a little Donnie Brook, a brouhaha north of the border? Now Toronto was said it's their fault, according to reports. They said they got busted. They said they got their signs stolen. I think that's a very diplomatic answer to say that, but it's not cheating. You gave up your strategy. Aaron Judge sniffed it out. He saw what it was going on. He hit the home run. Look. Some are saying, guys, you're jumping too far. You're just saying, oh, looked over there, saw the sign, hit the home run. You just heard the quote from him. It's not as easy as it is. I will <laughs> I will not believe Aaron Judge on that. Hell, I wish he kind of just would have said it. What if he just came out and said it today? Hey, uh, Toronto's signs are really easy to figure out. So, yeah, I figured it out. Now, I, I kind of want the bluntness, not arrogance, but, yeah, hey, I figured it out. It's sort of like you're taking a test in school. The teacher gave you a homework assignment. Hey, study this for the test. And during that studying, the test you take, hey, I remember this when I studied for the test. And I got question 17 right. It was B because that was in the assignment you told us to study before the test. Yeah, I got that one right because I studied. We want to hear athletes do things like that. And maybe this is the fun, exciting part why we enjoy sports, the reason Aaron Judge didn't give us an answer is because, hey, do you think there's a chance they didn't change them? Do you think there's a chance they're going to tip them again tonight when we play? I don't want to say that I know the answer because I want the answers to stay the same, test in and test out. Don't change question 17 tonight because I already know the answer is B. Let's roll with it one more time. I hope that what we watched yesterday involved the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. By the way, Blue Jays are good. Right, like Even some of the takeaway from yesterday, I know we're talking a lot about Judge and we're talking about the sign stealing and Boone, and what this type of win and atmosphere can mean for the New York Yankees for the rest of 2023. But this is not like they beat up a terrible A's team just like a few days ago they did. Toronto's going to be in the mix in the postseason. Young lineup, better pitching than previous seasons. Their attitude is clearly there a little bit. They've got some swagger with Vlad Jr. and Biggio and more. This is not some scrub team the Yankees pounded on yesterday with the offense. This is a team they're going to continue to play time in and time out this season. It's a good Blue Jane team, and maybe Toronto gets a spark from this. We're going to find out all those answers tonight. But baseball overall, we've heard so many times the criticism, oh, baseball is too boring, it's too slow, it needs to be better. We've heard that time in and time out. Baseball changed up a bunch of stuff this year. And if you're a baseball fan, you probably still feel a little conflicted still early in the season about the bigger bases and the shift and the pitch clock. Pitch clock's awesome. I need to hear someone argue against the pitch clock. And I know the postseason debate's going to be fascinating about that. But a lot of the stuff for baseball has gotten better. Well, what I enjoy doing this for a living, doing this as my profession, is getting to actually come on and talk about baseball and have really good, juicy storylines. Stuff that makes people want to watch the game. Stuff when you're an outside observer on a regular Tuesday in May. Hey, what are you going to throw on? Well, the season finales are coming up for our favorite shows. Yeah, but Secession's on a Sunday. Ted Lasso's on Apple+. Plus. We can watch that whenever. Oh, you want to watch Yankees Blue Jays tonight because of this storyline? Aaron Judge about it. Ooh. Yeah, I heard guys talking about it on Fox Sports 95.9 to 980. There's some storylines to this. There could be a potential Rivalry Bruin. Can Judge steal the scythe? How zoomed in are the cameras going to be tonight on Judge's eyes, by the way? You know every cameraman, this is their dream. Aaron Judge is going to go to the plate like MJ with his eyes closed and so nobody sees it. That's the stuff we're in store for tonight. Yankees, Blue Jays, and Yankee fans. Blue Jay fans, Red Sox, we want to hear from you. You listening right now. This right here, Fox Sports 959 to nine eighty the voice of the Capital Region Sports and whatever it is, via social media, via the app, and via our phone line, takes at elevation 10,000. 518-690-0980. 518-690-0980. If you're hanging on hold, I will get to you. We'll make sure your voice is heard today on the show to talk about everything from Aaron Judge to the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, even you, Corian Greenwich. I might be nice to you today. I know your Lakers are taking on the Nuggets. We might even hear from you as well for a few minutes. For a few minutes. So, a lot of baseball talk. Leading off the show today, but coming up on the way, we've got the NBA draft lottery. We've got a prospect that could be drafted this summer that is being called the most hyped prospect since LeBron James. LeVac's gonna hop in this conversation with our former intern, Shaker High School Zone, Kevin Sweeney, now turned writer for Sports Illustrated. Kevin's gonna talk about the lottery, the college basketball landscape. If you're a U Albany Hoops fan, If you're a Sienna Hoops fan, we're going to talk about what the transfer portal means for those programs going forward and more. That's all coming up. You're listening to the voice of the Capital Region Sports Fan, Fox Sports 95.9 and 980, LeVac and Gaz. More on the way next.
3: LeVac here for USX Pest Control. The non-chemical exclusion system is amazing. I had Tim from USX come out to the house. He walked around. He showed me where the potential problem spots would be and what we would need to do to make sure that I didn't have to worry about invasive, you know, little rodents and nastiness. We went around the attic. I learned about bats, where they come from, how you could tell whether or not they've been there, mice in the basement, how you could tell whether or not they've been there, all these things. And then, get this, I find out one of the houses across the street has a termite problem. I called Tim over at USX Pest Control. Let him know. He said, here's why you're safe. A lot of concrete between you and that. However, we're going to go ahead and take a look and make sure it's Okay. It is amazing how how just better I feel, how much safer, how much just more relaxed I am with my house because of USX Pest Control, part of the Gagne family of brands. You may remember Cat's Eye Pest Control. Well, now it's USXPest.com. Levat and Gaz on Fox Sports Radio 959 and 980. Of course, grab us on the iHeart app as well. We have I, I listen, I'm taking credit for all the hard work of the people that were that we were lucky enough to have come into the building. <laughs> Uh, this is one of the guys that, like, when he got there, he didn't speak to me, which would let me know he was intelligent. And then, as we got to know each other, I, I grew to uh, really respect and like him. I, I'm only saying that because I'm not sure if he can hear me yet. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Sweeney joining us right now, and uh, Kevin, Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. Is that is that how I how you want to be addressed, sir?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good intro. Uh, and yeah, you corrupted me by the time I was done there, so it was, it was all right. <laughs> Yeah, like how much did you
3: learn from us or how much did you have to unlearn after being with us?
1: I surprisingly learned a lot, you know, like, there there was some, there was some, like, stuff you should do, some stuff you shouldn't do, you know, the whole the whole thing was pretty productive.
2: When you think back, you wonder, all right, you got to do the intern task, like, loading in commercials, loading in promotions, and then one day we just bring you up and be like, hey, uh, Matt Barkley, can you just go interview him? We're a little busy right now. Okay, sure. I guess I'll interview <laughs> a great USC quarterback and a Buffalo Bill. That's, that's that's the internship we gave you.
1: Yeah, you tossed me to the fire. I always appreciated it. Uh, it was a great time working with you guys, and... Uh, fun
3: to hear the show now. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, making some time now that you are, you know, the, the big wig high on the hill. But I have been a little out of, of sorts. I've been working on some stuff. I, I I may have been running an arena football team that is now in, in dire straits. So, <laughs> so Kevin, I need your help. Like, I need, I need like, college hoops 101, like college hoops for dummies. So, like, what's going on? Give me the Rick Pitino story in a nutshell for people who haven't quite, quite kept up with it over here.
1: Well, he's the the new head coach at St. John's, one of the certainly highest profile moves of of the spring. Um, This was, I think, kind of known from the beginning of the season. This would be the last year at Iona. He had a $0 buyout to get out of that uh, contract after his third season. So people kind of knew that this was coming, and St. John's became the destination as February rolled into March. And uh, he's had to completely rebuild the roster. He's got two holdover players. He's brought – I believe four guys over from Iona and still has a couple of spots to fill. But, I mean, there there will be excitement. I mean, the, the Big East as a whole has just loaded up on high-profile coaches, whether it's Patino, whether it's, you know, Butler hiring Sad Mata last year, obviously a guy who's been been around the block. No J. Wright anymore, but Dan Hurley coming off a national championship. Ed Cooley now at Georgetown. Shaka Smart's killing it at Marquette. Shaheen Holloway off the Elite Eight two years ago. He's at Seton Hall, like, the Big East coaches are awesome, and Patino can kind of be the dean of that group.
3: Kevin, is this the like, the reemergence of the Big East? There was a point when I was younger that like the Big East took over television. If the Big East was playing each other, it was it had prime time. Are we are we finding our way back into that?
1: I think we're trending that way. I'm not sure we're just kind of with the TV deals if it will feel quite the same. But I, I think like the power of the league is back where it belongs. Right, UConn just wins a championship. They should be a top-ten team again in 23-24. Marquette might be in the top five in the preseason. They've got a tremendous team coming back. I mentioned, obviously, Patino and and the excitement that will come with that. Cooley's return to Providence will be a huge deal, right? Like There are some natural kind of storylines and rivalries in in this league that I think will make it really, really compelling television here over the next few years.
2: With Coach Patino exiting Iona in the MAC overalls Conference, what, if at all, effect does that have for Siena's future?
1: I mean, I think it, it opens the door a little bit just in the sense of, like, look, Tobin Anderson, the, the guy that was hired at Iona, won the game with Sterling Dickinson over Purdue. Like, he's a tremendous coach. But there was a talent disparity that Iona was able to build because they had Rick Pitino, right? When you sell Rick Pitino in recruiting, you get the types of guys that they've gotten, which were, you know, three, like, high three-star level players, guys who now that in the, they're in the portal, they're going to bigger programs, right? Walter Clayton, their best player is now in Florida, um, that's not going to be quite the same with, with Tobin there. So I think the door opens a little bit for Siena. Obviously, Siena's been competitive near the top of the league, which hasn't gotten over the hump. I think this league looks very wide open next year because there's been so much turnover. Siena has a lot of turnover. Iona certainly had a lot of turnover. They only have one scholarship player returning uh, from Patino's team. But that, that league will be, will, be, will be there for the taking if the Saints want to go get it.
3: Join us right now, LeVac and Gaz, Fox Sports Radio ninety five nine nine eighty. is Kevin Sweeney. Follow him on Twitter at cbb underscore central. So uh, this is the dream scenario that I had while at the, you know, the NCAA tournament games at the MVP Arena. So I figured Patino walks off the court once he's done with Iona, and then Will Brown hops the rail and he's announced as the new Iona coach. Didn't didn't have, Will Brown is is is
1: he in line for anything? Uh, this cycle no, um, it's possible he could get back in the mix. I think you know the last two years it's been somewhat slow in the Northeast, a lot of the like low and mid major jobs in the America East, the Mac. there just hasn't been I think the turnover that a lot of people anticipated. He could be he could be in the mix for, for those jobs here moving forward. Obviously a ton of success at Albany you won know, five league championships. It's not easy to do, um, but that's not something that, that will happen this year.
2: I know you're a Northwestern graduate, and this question might seem very simple, but maybe not. I know you could do about two hours in and in a full dissertation on the transfer portal, but would you say <laughs> it's a good thing or a bad thing for college basketball?
1: Hmm. I think it's more good than bad for the sport and for the product on the floor. I think it's very challenging for fans. I, I think that like the average fan who watches college basketball – Throughout the season, isn't going to be like a locked into the off season. College basketball fan, they're going to struggle with all the player movement and knowing who's on whose roster and finding reasons to be excited. But I think for the sport, it spreads out talent more evenly. It gives opportunities to kids to play at the highest level, um, and I think it has created some very compelling storylines in the off season. Right, like um, you know the Hunter Dickinson saga was incredible. I mean, it was the closest thing to NBA free agency that we've had in college basketball recruiting. So. Uh, look, like, obviously, it's it's different, and I think if you polled coaches, they're probably very uh, frustrated at points with how the portal has operated. And I think it will settle down here in the next couple of years, but there's no doubt there's some benefits to it from selling the offseason and making, you know, April and May feel like a big deal in college basketball when otherwise, so obviously, there's no games going on.
2: Tonight's the NBA draft lottery, and for New York basketball fans, it's good news because the Knicks aren't in it, the Nets aren't in it, and almost... I have to almost backpedal maybe because maybe some Knicks fans and Nets fans would want to be in this year's draft lottery. So many times before we hear the same tired storyline of the player who could go number one overall could change a franchise and change the future. We hear that a lot, but it feels like this matches the cliche this year in the hype around Victor Webinata. What do you know about this? And is the hype real?
1: So the hype is very real. He will be the number one overall pick regardless of who has that selection. Um, he is... You know, a freak in every way. He has the skill set of Kevin Durant, but five inches taller than KD. And uh, KD is already freakish in terms of what he's able to do because of his size and his athleticism his ability to shoot over people. So uh, he's not like anything we've seen before as a player. Does that mean he will have that level of success? Obviously, that's an unfair expectation for him. But, I mean, there's a reason he is as touted a prospect as there has been since LeBron. He will have that level of expectation. It will be very difficult for him to reach it because those those expectations are so high, so sky high. But the tools and the makeup and like everything about Victor Wembanyama is really, really special, and he will be uh, quite the gift to whichever rebuilding team gets him number one overall.
2: Some listeners just had that pop in their ears when you said the best prospect since LeBron James twenty years ago. Now I think we need to like go back to that a little bit. Maybe not so much the hype, but are you talking skill set and transition into the actual professional game? Take us through why he's getting that much love.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very rare to have a skill set like Victor's, right? To be, I mean, at a certain point, his size allows him to do things that other people can't do. He can protect the rim better than really anyone because he's seven foot four, but runs the floor extremely well. He can block three-point shoot three-point shots, right? Like how many guys are blocking at three in this day and age? Very few. He can step out and make threes, but he can also drive it. If you watch the film from when they played against the G League night team, he was able to like he can like put it on the floor a couple of times, take a step back jumper. You obviously can't defend those because the ball's just shooting over you, right? So obviously LeBron was like an elite athlete, but it had this like elite kind of point guard skill set at six foot nine. Victor's not necessarily that level of playmaker, but he has like the scoring pop potential of a guy like KD, and I think the overall potential game impact that could that could match someone like LeBron. Obviously, that's not fair to put on him, but there's a reason he is that level of prospect.
2: There's so much comparison, as you mentioned there, between that 2003 draft with LeBron to Webb and Yana, and I think that's not the only stop there with the 2003 draft 20 years ago, because... There's another heralded recruit that if it was any other year, maybe Scoot Henderson would be the number one pick.
1: Yeah, Scoot Scoot, I think it was a real conversation maybe a year year, year and a half ago. Could maybe Scoot push Victor. That's over. But Victor or Scoot excuse me is a really good prospect. He's a you know, a playmaking guard. He's been a you know, he's been playing professional basketball since he was seventeen for the G League Ignite here, um, playing against G League players and um, you know, is really just like a dynamic athlete can get downhill. Um, there is some conversation around the league, whether Brandon Miller from Alabama could jump him and be the second overall pick. He's a little bit more game ready. He's 6'9", he's going to make threes. He's got a little bit of that playmaking skill set. Obviously, everyone's looking for that 6'9", playmaking wing, like a Paul George type of player. That's the ceiling with Brandon Miller. But Scoot is probably the favorite still at this point to go number two overall. And he's an excellent
2: prospect. I know you won't believe the, how I'm going to sub this question, but because we air Syracuse basketball games on our sister station, WGY, and sometimes here on WOFX, I have to ask about the Orange, and you know this because I text you about once a month about Syracuse basketball. How should Orange fans feel about the transition out from the Hall of Fame coach, Jim Beheim to the new head coach, Adrian Autry? I mean, I
1: think it was time. Um, how successful... Adrian Autry will be, I think, is, is a real open question. I, I think he's done some good things early on in recruiting and, and in hiring staff, uh, obviously landing. J.J. Starling coming back into the region is, is a big deal, and Chance Westry as well. Um, but, but I think there are some significant question marks of like how good a job and how good a program Syracuse is, and there's just general modernization stuff that I think has to happen, right? Because very few programs, even Duke, like Duke had some level of history before Coach K. Syracuse has virtually no history before what Jim Beheim was, so we don't know what expectations should be without Jim Beheim hovering over. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. I could see it go a number of ways. I think in the short term, the fact that they have some talented guards I think will help, you know, smooth the transition. But I think I think going to have to be willing to adapt and really show real change from the bayheim era as things change in college sports he's talked a big game about doing that so far but we'll see on the court i think that's that's its own question
3: sports illustrators kevin sweeney with us right now Levat and Gaz, fox sports radio 980 95.9 and so kevin you're a northwestern guy i'm a michigan fan we used to have a lot of fun going back and forth with big 10 athletics i'm gonna i'm gonna tee up the the awesome opportunity you wrote an article about why hunter dickinson is leaving michigan and headed to kansas is it funny to you that one of the schools known for paying players before they were allowed to is having trouble paying players now when they're allowed to
1: (laughs) it it is funny um it is also very wild to like sit here and just think about how openly we're like yeah like i only made i made less than six figures so i had to leave like two years ago like (laughs) The like NCAA police be coming with handcuffs. You know, like it's, it's wild how it's all shifted. Um, but yeah, I mean like there there are challenges at a lot of programs. Michigan is not unique in that like there is not a lot of guaranteed money to go around. That's what every kid wants. The Hunterton Commandment, right? N I L is supposed to be, you know, you're adding value for a brand, you're adding value for, you know, X you know, company, you're putting your name on the car dealership, yada yada yada. But in reality, what kids want is as, as close to a sure thing money and they want upfront money if they can get it. And, and Hunter is good enough to command that. He commanded that from Kansas. Um, it, one of the big reasons he wound up at Kansas and not Kentucky was Kentucky does not like to give out guaranteed money. Kansas is more willing to. Obviously, again, everyone's tiptoeing around the rules. Are, are Is this legal NIL? Is Are we put, you know, pushing the boundaries? But the NCAA has shown no real willingness to step in and, and punish anyone for doing it. So everyone's going to keep doing it and, and – you got to pull out the big checks. Otherwise, you're not going to keep your stars looking ridiculous.
3: I feel like Michigan just is unaware it's allowed now. I think it's just, you know, they had their, their wrists slapped, and they're like, no, you guys, this is a trap. Like You're tricking us. We're allowed to pay our guys? Like, I feel like that's going to be an issue for a little bit as they figure out that they can, they can just go for it with the duffel bags.
1: Yeah, to, to, a, to an extent, without a doubt. And, and I think there's also been kind of lead to lead. Like, I, I think the Big Ten – Generally has been a little slower. Wisconsin in football and basketball has been a little slower to like throw out bag, bag, bag. The yes, SEC has jumped a little bit deeper into the waters. Certainly, the Big 12 in basketball has jumped in pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, all this is a transition. Um, it takes time to get the infrastructure together, right? It, it is not as easy as like some random rich guy calling them up and being like, "Do you have a million dollars? Yes. All right, let's get this done," <laughs> right? They're like, you need uh, most of these schools are operating through a collective, and that's. You know, that there's tax implications to it, like it is far more complicated than I think people realize. And I think some first-year coaches, and this ties back to Patino, haven't had the success in recruiting early on that people expected because it's just taken them more time to get the NIL operation up and running as quickly as needed. To
2: you're a Capital Region guy, you're a Sports Illustrated writer, but the internship is over. But I'm saying this now, Leveque. I'm making this proclamation for Kevin Sweeney. Okay. this is going to happen for as long as this show's on radio. That when the brackets come out. Kevin will be forced to come on the air with us every single year before we finish our brackets. So when the LeVac and Goss Bracket Challenge comes back, Kevin Sweeney will be stuck that week breaking down oh, the brackets.
3: Before I'm giving him NIL prayers. money to do my bracket for me. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah, I, I, I do accept bribes. I do accept checks. Nice. Please, please know my brackets have not been very good the last few years, but I'm happy to give advice for guys
3: that's the part he learned from me that's the one he learned from me the the bribes that's, that's hey it's he kevin learned.
2: sweeney here for hooters
1: i can <laughs> see the live read now thank is. you Let's my go. friend
3: <laughs> uh man you got to follow kevin at cbb underscore central you check him out in uh, sports illustrated kevin sweeney one of the one of the best to go through the halls of levac and guys survive and actually advance we appreciate you brother
1: appreciate it guys
3: Hey, it's so back from Mohawk Chevrolet. Have you heard about Car Bravo? That's right. Mohawk Chevrolet, who is the place to go when you need a vehicle, has now made it even easier when you're talking about pre-owned vehicles. They changed the game with Car Bravo. Any maker model, not just Chevrolet, whatever it is you're looking for, if you can name it, you can now buy it certified from Mohawk Chevrolet. Here are some of the great features that Car Bravo offers you. At-home test drives available, Request or upon request, I mean, however you want to say it. See how excited I get about these things? Buy or sell your vehicle from the comfort of your home, dealership, wherever you are. I might buy or sell one during the show and God isn't paying attention. You don't know. Delivery to your front door or location of your choice. Guaranteed limited warranty on any make or model backed and serviced by mohawk chevrolet how great is that 126 checkpoint inspection free car victory vehicle victory i call it victory because you're winning vehicle history report roadside assistant anytime day or night courtesy transportation during a warranty repair the list goes on and on car bravo has changed the used vehicle game check out car bravo at MohawkChevrolet.com. Visit them at of Exit 12 of the Northway in Malta. Find new roads with car bravo at Mohawk Chevrolet, where they always go out of their way to please you.
2: Is this how it's going to be all summer until the season kicks off September 11th for the Jets? Jets take on the Bills. Should be an awesome AFC East matchup. Both fan bases will be super excited. But from now, which is May 16th, until basically four months from now, are we just going to get these weird baiting... Again, baiting B-E-T-E-N stories that are going to try to get reactions out of Aaron Rodgers. And maybe you know what I mean by that. Maybe you don't. The story that's been published today by The Ringer was a story about former Green Bay Packer, now Vegas Raider wide receiver Devontae Adams. And in this story about Devontae Adams, they asked him about the success that he had with the Raiders in his first season, I think, even if a Raider fan who wins and losses, LeVac's a Raider fan, our pal Sean Martin here locally is a Raider fan, Raider fan, Copier J, Copier J, I thought you were your Panther fan. Raider fans have to admit that, okay, wins losses weren't great, but Devontae Adams was good. So in this article, he was asked about post-career with Aaron Rodgers, and Adam said, quote, it proved that I am me. A quarterback doesn't make me. I make me, and I can do it consistently at this level. good for Devontae Adams. That's right. Stick up for yourself. Tap your chest a little bit. Show off some pride and say, you think you're one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, if not planet Earth. We can go that far. I don't think there's a better wide receiver in Sweden right now than Devontae Adams, although I haven't checked recently. But Devontae Adams wants to say, hey, I proved that I can do it in another town, another city without Rodgers. Look what I did. Go ahead. Because there's a lot of guys who couldn't do it post Rodgers. There's a long list, right? Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb the quick two that pop into my head. We all thought Al Lazard was going to be that guy in fantasy football this year. That didn't happen finally. And by finally, I mean every year for about 15 years, anybody who was Aaron Rodgers' number one target turned into a statistical machine, and fantasy football players like myself loved it, and wins were produced by the Green Bay Packers. Also, happy birthday, Chris Honorado, who's a big Packer fan today. But Adams went on to say that that's why last season it meant a lot. Even if I went and played like dog, let's say poo-poo, next year, they can't say it. Because now I've already proved it that through the course of a season, I played every game and put a resume that says I do not need. You can erase all the numbers. You can just write it in. He didn't need Aaron Rodgers. So now the New York media outlets today are using that as a diss- To Aaron Rodgers, ha, former Rodgers receiver says, didn't need him to be all pro. How? Like, why? That's the takeaway from this interview. Not that Devontae Adams went off, did his thing in Vegas, had some really good numbers, worked with Derek Carr, is going to have Garoppolo this season, that he went out and proved he's a top-tier wide receiver. That's what everybody should have to motivate themselves, especially wide receivers at the professional level. That's the knock on so many wide receivers, right? Even the greatest wide receiver of all time, in my mind, Jerry Rice, that's his biggest knock. Well, you had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You had Young. You had Montana. Oh, and by the way, you had an MVP quarterback when he played for the Raiders, then in Oakland with Rich Gannon. You've always had great quarterbacks. Okay, look at his numbers. Jerry Rice could have done it somewhere else. And we can talk about other guys like Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss and T.O. and everybody else who's in Marvin Harrison, Larry Fitzgerald. There's tons of great wide receivers. But the biggest knock is you couldn't be a good wide receiver without a good quarterback. It's also kind of catch 22. Yeah, a good quarterback does make a wide receiver better. He gets the ball out to him. He puts it into position. He has those offseason routes that they learn together to make them better. So I mentioned that term baiting, right? Baiting Aaron Rodgers for an answer because this is New York media. I thought it wouldn't matter. I thought because Green Bay, Wisconsin doesn't have much else going on besides Packer football that Aaron Rodgers would not be affected by the New York media that people focusing on what Rodgers is doing day in and day out. He would kind of be used to at this point. Okay. People are going to ask me about my personal life. People are going to ask me about how I'm playing. People are going to ask me about my off season. What do I do for hobbies? The darkness, every Pat McAfee. I'm kind of used to this at this point, but maybe what Aaron and Rogers wasn't used to was these baiting twisting of the articles. Hey, uh, Aaron, did you hear what your former teammate Devonte Adams said about you? No, I didn't. I haven't talked to Devonte in a while. What is? He said he didn't need you. Wait, what? Yeah. He said he didn't need you to be an all pro. Now, if it's presented like that, which you've heard New York, Media reporters ask questions and set up stories. They could set it up like that. And hearing a little bit of the New York attitude on it, it got me frustrated. I'm like, whoa. I'm kind of ticked about Devontae Adams. Why do you say that about me? I thought we were friends. I thought we were teammates. But I just set it up for you, the truth of what that article was. Devontae Adams kind of putting pride in his game. Not kind of, was putting pride in his game. Saying he's one of the best in the league. But Aaron Rodgers, who's been known for over... Close to 20 years of being a bit sensitive. Not ticking well to criticism. You could look at the last 24 months of this with Aaron Rodgers. Is he? Is he not? Will he? Will he not? Is he going to come back to the Packers? Is he not going to come back to the Packers? And in the Pat McAfee interview just a few months ago, one of the reasons it seemed like Rodgers did not want to finish his career in Green Bay, it wasn't because of the fan base or the coaching staff or his fellow teammates. It was Well, they made it pretty clear to me they don't want me to be here anymore. Well, they made it pretty clear that they want to move on and get traded, so I'm going to leave. Okay. All right, man. I get you can be upset about them never giving you a first-round running back or wide receiver, but now this stuff where this is your concern, Jet fan, not for the ability of Aaron Rodgers. He's shown that for 18, 19 years. You have had to wait and wait and wait to make sure the deal was right to bring in Rodgers. And you're going all in on this season. you got to give that love to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala that they want to win right now. They don't want to hesitate. They don't want to rebuild any of that stuff. They want to have the best team possible take the field in 2023 and win the division over teams that are aggressive like Miami and Buffalo and teams that, will say, have their own style that's been successful in New England. So you went in to go get Aaron Rodgers. This concern is how will Rodgers mentally respond to stuff like this in the New York media? Every single story like this. This is an easy one. You think they just grab that headline for the Devontae Adams ringer piece, wait until it gets a little bit more dead and less active in June before training camp. I'm ready for the think piece articles about what Aaron Rodgers office character he's going to wear to camp this year. And what's the true meaning behind the shirt? Maybe they'll let Manish it get a media pass again for the Jets and start clocking throws in camp. How quick was the release? Maybe we can get a New York reporter to tell us how Rodgers did in the preseason and then say whether or not the Jets made a mistake in late July and early August. This is what you're getting for the next four months, Jet fans. I was hoping it wasn't. I was hoping the build up to the Rodgers trade was going to be as crazy as it would be. For Rodgers, will he, won't he? What will the Packers give up? Will the Jets put up? Maybe we'll see Rodgers make a few throws in training camp. He really doesn't need it. Learn the offense, build some chemistry, get the practice and go. But New York media is not going to let that happen. We're going to get these interesting quotes from Rodgers. We might get some 8-10 to minute answers in post-game press conferences and post-practice press conferences about what he's thinking and feeling. All of that can happen. I just want, and I know it's interesting for a sports radio host to do this, I would like and want some of the attention for the New York Jets this fall to be about actual football, to be about Sauce Gardner and how we can play on defense, who's going to be the wide receiver to step up and make plays for Rodgers, a la Devontae Adams, maybe not at that level, but a wide receiver who can be Rodgers' best target. Can the running backs handle the load on a second and short and a third and a few yards to push the chains. Those are things that will still be compelling and interesting for the success of the New York Jets in 2023 and how far the team can go. But I don't know if I'm going to continue to care about, did you hear what your Michael Finley said? Yeah, he did an interview. He said he hasn't talked to Aaron Rodgers in almost 10 years. I guess, yeah, because they don't play. He doesn't play in the NFL Rodgers is busy. Whoa, can you believe that happened? We're gonna get this stuff all the time. Wait for the Jordan Love quote. I can't believe we haven't heard more from Jordan Love. How would you describe yours and Aaron's relationship? Everyone wants to make that the next farvin Rogers that Jeff Perlman talked about in his book. More and more baiting stories are on the way. jet fans is Rogers gonna take the bait. Is he gonna go crazy on Twitter? Is McAfee gonna to have to have him on for 45 minutes explaining these quotes from players? he have to say he's gonna love every teammate? that may or may not have said something negative about him, and he really didn't. He said he played really well this season. Strap in. This could be your future, Jet fans, of what you got coming up for Aaron Rodgers in the future. Stuff like this. Aaron Rodgers figuring out what quotes to say and not to say to New York media coming up in the near future. Oh, and by the way, Jet fans, little... Kudos to the organization, because I know there's also reports out there that your team tried to make that play for that Black Friday tradition. The earlier report was the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike North, who does a lot of the scheduling stuff, he was recently on a national podcast talking about how this all comes together. But the Jets also tried making the move. The New York Jets were almost a future part of the Black Friday tradition in the NFL. Look at the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys. They have Thanksgiving as their day, and it's been forever that that's happened. You can look at the NBA with the Christmas Day teams that usually play. Major League Baseball is a little different opening day in July 4th. But a tradition you can market your team around and what it could mean not just for the Aaron Rodgers season. So I'll put a plural on that because maybe it'll be more than one of Jet football, making that a tradition. You want to make a move? You want to increase your visibility and all that stuff? The Jets tried to make a play on it. Curious to see what the NFL will do going forward with that Black Friday game. I would be surprised if a team ever gets that spot locked in because the value of that spot isn't understood yet. When you got Amazon involved, Jeff Bezos, a B, billions of dollars involved in the success of what could be this Black Friday game on that Thanksgiving week, maybe you don't sell it too low. And NFL teams and owners and Everybody else involved in this knows of what it could be, and we'll find out exactly how that will all lay out in the future. But Jet fans, there you can go. A little kudos to the organization and everything that could be coming up on the way for Jet fans this upcoming fall and Aaron Rodgers and more. Maybe we'll get Jake Aspen on the show this week. Jake's a huge Jet fan. I know he's doing stuff down in Texas, but he's killing it on YouTube. Maybe we'll get Jake Aspen on this week to talk about the New York Jets. I know he's been calling Aaron Rodgers the dragon. Yeah, you know, we'll reach out to Jake. Maybe we'll hop on the show Thursday or Friday with us, talk a little Jets football as well. All right, coming up on the way, our pal Brady Farkas is going to be back with us in the 4 o'clock hour. He's going to join us for the Top Forward Four. We're going to talk a little NBA with him as well. We've got a lot of great stuff on the way. Don't forget, you can always connect with the show if you're listening on the iHeart app. Hit that microphone. Give us a 30-second take on what you want to hear. We want to hear from Red Sox and Yankee fans today and Blue Jay fans. If you want to hop in, the phone lines at Elevation 10,000. Phone lines are always open to you at 518-690-0980. 518-690. 690-0980 690-0980 or the phone line. Social media as well at WOFX980 on Twitter. Top four four is on the way next. You're listening to LeVac and on Fox Sports 959 and 980. The voice of the Capital Region Sports fan.
3: Hey, it's LeVac for the Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa with Dr. Fred Dreer. My man, Doc Dreer. Here's the situation. I was the worst sleeper. I had severe sleep apnea. My snoring was a registered form of torture by by at least six different sovereign nations. That's how bad my snoring was. My energy level was in the toilet. I was angry all the time. And it all just went right back to the fact that I wasn't sleeping. I just was, the snoring was too much. I would stop breathing in my sleep. I didn't want to do the mask. I didn't want to go have surgery. Luckily for me, Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa. Dr. Fred Drew had the answer. It's a custom-made mouthpiece that keeps my airway open. So the snoring is greatly reduced. I don't stop breathing because I'm getting all the air I need. And I don't have that that compressor engine in the side of the room making all the noise with the mask. It is a win-win, win-win-win. The Integrative Sleep Center with Dr. Fred Drew in Boston Spa. 518-885-6185. They're helping me sleep better. They're going to help you sleep better, too.
0: It's time for the Top 4 at 4 with LeVac and Gaz.
2: Brady Farkas hopping in here for the Top 4 at 4. Brady, we got the four biggest stories in the world of sports, bringing you all the things you need to know. Thanks to our friends over at Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Brady, let's start with number four. It's going to sound weird here because I'm kind of combining one theme, but two coaches. Doc, yeah. Doc Rivers let go as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk more about that coming up in about 15 minutes of what that means for the Eastern Conference, the NBA overall, the future of those franchises and how teams are going to look at that. But also, we missed this, at least I did, Monty Williams let go by the Phoenix Suns. I saw it happen, but now I'm starting to wonder, this is a bigger impact across the league than I realized, especially with a franchise like the Phoenix Suns
0: with stars like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. The, the NBA never ceases to stop being a content machine soap opera the three best records in the league last three years Suns, bucks sixers all three of them got fired this year all three head coaches got fired so (laughs) prolonged regular season success does that does absolutely nothing for you in the nba anymore um does monty williams deserve to be fired i would say no but again i'm not a phoenix suns fan i'm not watching all of their games. I would say that they unfortunately had Chris Paul get hurt. I would say that unfortunately DeAndre Ayton either got hurt and or they gave him a contract they shouldn't have, which Monty Williams didn't give. So um I don't know. I just I have a hard time with all this. I think guy especially like in Budenholzer's case, like he won the title two years ago. I understand you're trying to maximize Giannis's uh his winning potential here and keep him in Milwaukee. But my goodness, the NBA is just such a soap opera I'm not for like everybody keeping their job just because they're nice people, but I'm also for people not getting railroaded out of town when it's not necessarily their fault. And it doesn't seem like this one is Monty Williams' fault. Chris Paul got hurt, one of the greatest point guards in the history of the game. Didn't play multiple games in this series. And Aiton got hurt at the end of the game and was rendered relatively or at the end of the series and was rendered relatively ineffective. I just The NBA, man, it just this is what it does, though.
2: I'm not blaming the Greek freak, but it is funny that both our minds went to the same direction to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo because that clip that goes viral at the end of the series involving the Miami Heat about the question he gets how every season isn't a failure if it's not winning a championship, championship or bust. Nick Wright here on Fox Sports talks about how the media has now perceived the NBA that everything is irrelevant unless you win the title, which is the wrong future for the league because you just can't do that and make your regular season matter. Well, all that stuff that some people rally against seems to be getting in the ears of GMs. Because as you pointed out, with that three successful franchises that didn't win the championship in 2023. All right, gone. See ya. Bye. Monty Williams in comparison to the other two, I feel like is the toughest firing and the least fair of the firings. You laid out a lot of the injuries and everything there. What is Monty Williams supposed to do with Aiden injured and then look? Kevin Durant and Booker have barely played as teammates, what, for less than yeah, I three months?
0: I, I get yeah, the no, superstars. You're right about that. Like, the team that they want to have go all the way, it wasn't even together for most of the year. It's another, I mean, you know, it's just insane. It's just, it's insane to me that, that he got canned for this. He falls on the sword and man, it's tough. Very tough.
2: We'll continue with the NBA theme here for number three. The NBA lotteries tonight. And you heard from Kevin Sweeney earlier. You know Kevin Sweeney very well, another Capital Region guy, doing great things for Sports Illustrated, that tonight we would see where the future landing spot of Victor Webiniana could be. We see the Pistons, the Rockets, the Spurs, as some of the most likely franchises to land the plus-seven-footer from overseas. And earlier in the show, Kevin Sweeney said that Victor Webiniana's hype is just like LeBron. Now, not to LeBron's level, but the best prospect since LeBron. Brady Farkas, that's a lot of hype around a prospect. Should we pump the brakes, as Travis on Twitter likes to say, or is the hype real around Victor Webiniana?
0: I mean, the, the hype seems to be real. I've seen some of these clips. I saw him, I think I saw him miss a shot from three, get the rebound out of the air. I like the free throw line, take one dribble and slam it home. It's pretty freakish athleticism and pretty freakish ability. Of course, this is what the NBA is about. This is what the lottery is about. I am amazed. It truly amazes me how in the NFL we have seven rounds of a draft and we can find absolute studs in the sixth round, the seventh round. We find undrafted free agents who are studs. And in the NBA, there's so many good basketball players in the world and so many good college programs and kids that are really good in high school and so many kids play AAU. And it ends up being with like six picks every year that actually matter. That's it. Like six players is all that comes out of every draft and end up being very, very good. So your goal is to get in a spot to get one of those six. And if one of those six ends up being a potentially generational player, you're banking your entire organization's future on that. So is it fair to compare him to LeBron? No. Is it justified? I don't know because all I have is grainy overseas footage and most of the time. But is it exciting to do it? Yes, because this is what these teams are playing for, is a chance to get one of these lottery tickets.
2: You made me laugh there with the grady overseas footage because you and I remember the days of the old foreign basketball player Manu Ginobili. See, Ricky Rubio hurts us because I think you might know the same stat I know about Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is the first player born in the 1990s in the NBA. You and I were born in 89, so that one hurts a little bit, but nonetheless, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, if
0: it makes you feel better, Yuri Perez of the Marlins just uh, made his debut the other day. He's the first player in Major League Baseball born in 2003.
3: Oh, god,
2: that hurt. <laughs> uh, I loved your point about the NBA draft and how it's turned into five to six to seven guys are really having an impact throughout that double contract. What I mean by double is two and two. You have the two guarantees if you're a first-rounder, then it's a team option for year three and year four. It's a rem- I would love to see the number. I get, It's got to be close to 50% now of guys who do not make year three on that guaranteed first-round deal, and some guys sit in the G League. G League, fine, it, but it's not the NFL. Major League Baseball is a little bit different. We see a lot of first-round guys never make it to the show, and that's changing a little bit with a smaller draft. We'll see how those numbers play out over the next few years, but back to Victor Webinata. It is a video game. Like there's a reason why teams have been tanking not just this year but a year previous to get this guy because Kristaps Porzingis is the easiest comparison because of the size and skill set but this is like nothing I've ever seen before. It is a made-up movie prospect at 7 foot 5 who can shoot threes. Oh, do you want a player? How about taller than the Greek freak? How about a better ball handler than Porzingis? How, it doesn't even make sense. If he can stay healthy and I hate putting that disclaimer on athletes but that's been the biggest concern about seven foot plus players. Can the body actually withstand the punishment? Whoever gets them, Pistons, Rockets is going to have a franchise changing player, at least for the fan base and more. Let's move you on to, to st-
0: put on a little weight.
2: Of course, that's right. Figure out the city that's got that good food and put on that weight. Let's move on to story number two now. It's the Major League Baseball schedule of games tonight. The Yankees and Blue Jays, 7 first pitch in that one out in Canada. The New York Mets host the Tampa Bay Reigns. A little interleague action. Their 7-10 first pitch with Justin Verlander on the mound for the Mets. And the Mariners and Red Sox continue their series. Our coverage here on your home for the Red Sox. Fox Sports ninety 859 980 starts at 6-10. 7-10 first pitch. Red Sox Mariners. It's great having a Mariner fan with me today. You felt that game one vibe? How, if anything, changes in Game Two of this series
0: for the Red Sox at M's? I can't believe the Mariners actually won one at Fenway after getting swept last year at Fenway. I was at Game Four of that series in which Franchi Cordero hit a walk-off grand slam and just I cried myself to sleep all night. I thought the Mariners would never win at Fenway again. So <laughs> the fact that they won and won ten to one was shocking to me. It was playing out exactly as I said it would, right? Like the first four innings were done in like forty minutes. Like Kirby was awesome, Houck was great. They were carving each other up. How just threw the ball over the plate. The Mariners got themselves out. And then all of a sudden, boom, Cal Raleigh Homer, and and the game flips on its head. By the way, Cal Raleigh, first switch hitting catcher to ever homer from both sides of the plate at Fenway. Fenway's 112 years old, if you didn't know it, Jorge Posada never did it. Jason Baritek never did it. Cal Raleigh did it yesterday. Wow. So little history. Little history at Fenway. Um Luis Castillo is stud He's on the mound for the Mariners. The Mariners certainly have the advantage in this one. Like Pavetta's got an ERA of six point two right now, and they're talking about moving him to the bullpen so uh, but Castillo has not been great his last four I think his first four starts he had like an ERA of 0.2 and his next 4 he's got an ERA of over four so if they can make him work he's been prone to make mistakes the last couple of days Yoshida is going to be back in the lineup today um, for Boston so that's going to help their offensive punch Mariners have the advantage given the pitching matchup doesn't mean that they'll win so uh you know, I think for Castillo, he needs to come out and be what he was the first month of the season rather than this last month of the season. And for Pavetta, I mean, he's just got to find it. Like He's got too good a stuff to have an ERA of six. Maybe, you know, again, Mariners a generally light-hitting lineup. Last night, notwithstanding, could be a chance for him to do so.
2: This is the second day in a row here in the top four at four where I have a fantasy baseball pitcher. And I'm starting to realize why my fantasy baseball team is one in five when yesterday I talked about Patrick Corbin and today's Pavetta. Maybe there's a reason why my team stinks when Patrick Corbin and Pavetta are rounding out my pitching laps. Time to go to the waiver wire, guys. If this is what you're doing in mid-May and wondering, huh, why does my team stink? Those are two reasons why my pitching staff is that bad.
0: Red Sox are in an interesting predicament with Pavetta, too. I know I don't want to spend too long on this. No, go ahead. They've got a six-man rotation right now, and... They're going to get seven because Garrett Whitlock's going to come back probably next week. So there's going to be – there's two spots here that aren't going to be around provided everybody stays healthy. Brian Bayo's is your young pitching prospect. They can send him to AAA. That's kind of a path of least resistance. The other one is, I mean, Pavetta likely to the bullpen. But Pavetta came out last week and basically said, I don't want to go to the bullpen. Like He's like, I'm a starter. I've been a starter. I've started here. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start here the rest of the year. And I'm going to start here next year. I mean, so he's pretty defiant about not wanting to go to the pen. He's also a free agent after next year. He wants to get paid like a starter and not paid like a bullpen arm. So it'll be very, very interesting how he pitches tonight and how that sets things up in the future, because with seven starters for five spots, there's conceivably two moves to be made. If Pavetta pitches well, maybe he can stave off that execution. But if he doesn't, then the drum beats going to get louder and he's going to get even more unhappy.
2: Well, there's the thing right there at the end. You got to pitch well to make it happen. You can have a contract coming up. You have all the other things that are playing a factor for the future of your career. None of those things are going to change. If your ERA is over six and Goss is watching you post negatives on his lineup that nobody cares about yep. except him. And story number one here, it's the NBA's Western conference finals, the top board four brought to you by Mohawk Honda, Eight tip off set for tonight as the top seeded Denver nuggets out of the Western conference take on the los angeles lakers and it's weird to say this outline the way i'm viewing this storyline people didn't expect the lakers to be here just a few months ago while it's almost a surprise for some to see denver back although they're the top seeded team in the western conference the last time we saw nuggets lakers in a western conference finals was the covid year in 2020 when it was in the bubble and the lakers knocked off that nugget team to eventually go on to win an nba championship over the heat Ready? We haven't tipped off game one yet, but what is your early sense of not just game one,
0: but of the Western Conference Finals overall as a series? My early thought is what is going on with these back to back number one stories? Yesterday, hockey today, Western (laughs) Conference Finals. We're not talking about Aaron Judge right now. Are we going to do that later? We
2: We will do Aaron Judge next. We will do Aaron Judge coming up. I will give you a full plate of Aaron Judge. So, Aaron Judge is there. It's hard to do this. Yeah, Aaron Judge is coming up. Don't you? I can't
0: squeeze that into four and a half minutes, Brady. It's coming up next. But first, I want you to take on the finals. Yes. Hockey one day, Western Conference finals the next. (laughs) Uh, My first thought is that the Nuggets are going to win this series. And I saw, I think Vince Carter predicted the Nuggets would win. But I see a lot of people predicting the Lakers will win. And that's got to just be on name and brand and LeBron recognition. I mean, LeBron is is obviously still excellent. Davis, if he's healthy, is excellent. But the rest of the Lakers, look, and I like Dennis Schroeder. I'm actually a Dennis Schroeder fan. I think he got a bad rap when he was in Boston. But um, I have liked him back in his, his Atlanta days. But Jokic, Jamal Murray, Kentavious Caldwell, Pope, uh, Pope uh, Porter. And the Nuggets just seem to be really, really deep. And they seem to be able to go in waves. And the Lakers are so old and injury prone. I don't think they can do what would need to be done against Denver. Like if, if golden state was in this series, I'd say golden state would go incredibly small. They would get out in transition and all they would do is run, 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 run. And they would render Jokic ineffective on defense because they'd be out in transition and they would have him so tired from running back and forth on offense that he might be a little less efficient there as well. The Lakers don't have that. The Lakers are a, you know, a slow half court team, conserve energy. We don't want to get out in transition that much. And I think that's going to allow Jokic to conserve energy defensively and have energy offensively. That That's my take on that. Anthony Davis is going to be huge because he's going to be guarding Jokic and he's going to have to score. I don't know that he's going to be able to do both of those things. I mean, can he score 30 and limit Jokic to 20? I, I would doubt it. I know
2: you're not a big-time sports investor, but that take is very interesting for my play of the day coming up. You might have read my mind involving the pace of this series. That's a little tease for later on involving Game 1
0: play of the day is a gambling thing. I thought it was a highlight.
2: No, no, no. We call that investing here, Brady. No gambling. Investing oh, is what oh, we do oh, on oh, sports
0: sorry. here. I, 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 I don't want to get a message from HR or something. So investing, yes, I understand. Yes,
2: we place investments at the end of the show, not gamble our money. But anyways, gotcha. um, okay. back, back, to, back to Nuggets and Lakers. Look, you said it. They're old, the Lakers. But they found ways to win throughout this entire playoff push. I was stunned. Series after series, you can go back on the Internet and find the cuts of Kendrick Perkins getting laughed at by former NBA guys like Richard Jefferson and others that the Lakers, when they were a 13 seed, that they had a chance to make their Western Conference Finals. And here they sit four games away from the NBA Finals. But game one of now, game seven doesn't count. That's obviously the most important game of the series. But game one is number two. Because if Los Angeles wins this, I think they have a chance to win this series. Like, if they figure out a great game plan, how to slow down Jamal Murray, what to do with Jokic, how to set the pace of the game, the Lakers can win this series if they win game one. However, if Denver smokes them, like if they win by 15 tonight, I could see this over in five games for Denver. Like, this is what Denver's wanted the whole time banged up and I'm going to put air quotes around that Anthony Davis we don't know what his injury status is if it's a wheelchair if it's a headache a tummy ache whatever it is (laughs) so I get Jokic against Anthony Davis I'll do that all day I get Jamal Murray who's rehabbed and has been waiting for this moment when he became a breakout player in the COVID bubble he gets his moment it's in front of Denver this roster is built to beat the Lakers this could be a sweep potentially I like five games in Denver. That's my prediction. Denver wins the series in five. However, if LA keeps it close and wins tonight, I'm immediately allowed to switch. But everything from the big man down low to quicker players to better scoring, go watch the Suns' final few games against Denver. There's no way the Lakers can keep that pace with Denver if they're able to play like that in this series. No chance. So I love Denver in this series.
0: Denver in six, Boston in five, and the finals will be Celtics and Nuggets.
2: Yeah, I would like that, because speaking about investing, I have that ticket from way back in February, so I'd like to cash that ticket, a February call of Celtics Nuggets. That would be a nice cash for me. All right, right, yeah, you mentioned Aaron Judge. Let's talk about Aaron Judge, everything that went down with the Yankees yesterday. I want to get to Doc Rivers as well, because that's some NBA talk, how it's going to affect franchises in the future in the NBA and more. Brady Farkas here with us in the 4 o'clock hour. It's LeVac and Gaz on Fox Sports ninety five nine and 980.
3: LeVac here for USX PestControl.com. go to usxpest.com right now and schedule your free inspection for free they're going to come out to your house they're going to walk around the trouble spots they're going to you're going to tell them where you've seen things where you think there might be an issue and they're going to come up with a plan for you to have the safest home possible when it comes to pest control the non-chemical exclusion system is perfectly safe all-natural approach to keeping out rodents and wildlife from your home so your pets are safe Your kids are safe you're safe and all because they went around and did this for you they also are going to look at your yard hey do you have uh tick issues do you want to keep mosquitoes out they've got a plan for all of it at usx you've come to know and love the gagne family of brands and you may not even have realized it they were cat's eye pest control well now it's usx pest control go to usxpest.com right now and schedule your free inspection.
2: Brady Farkas joins us here again. We we can't get rid of him. It's a Tuesday. It's a second segment in a row. He's here all week. Let's just
0: announce. You announced it on social. You're going to be here all week, right? What do you mean? What do you mean? I can't get rid of me. You invited me back. This is (laughs) not like I horned in on this show you invited me back this is not like okay get rid of him he won't leave us alone you asked me
2: <laughs> this is like jazzy jeff on the fresh prince of bel-air we're not throwing you out right no we're having fun together that's exactly right <laughs> uh, unlike doc rivers see i did a segue there brady look at that a segue into doc River. you always
0: it- did love your transitions
2: oh you know me too well we're gonna get to the Aaron judge conversation for sure but the segue and the transition is too good doc rivers out Head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We teased this a little bit yesterday Then that could be the possibility after the Sixers were blown out in game seven, the Celtics advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you make of Doc Rivers now no longer the head coach of the Sixers? Is it this all him? Is this Philly? Trust the process. I feel like there's tons of layers to this firing today.
0: There's too many layers to get into in six minutes or whatever. I will say this. This felt inevitable. Right. You've you've gotten close. You haven't been able to get over the mountain. That's just what happens. Right. Like you don't get seven years to get through things. Now, when you're when you're hand delivered a team that people think should win a title, you get two or three years. And if you can't do it, then it's on to the next. So this felt inevitable. The thing I would question is, is how does Joel Embiid feel about this? Because I am not someone who believes in giving total autonomy to the quarterback. And I'm not someone who believes in giving total control over to just your best player but in the NBA more than any other league probably maybe quarterback in the NFL the star player has a say and Joel Embiid came out the other day and said I think Doc Rivers has done a great job so I mean James Harden I believe is going to be gone so I mean if if Embiid was okay keeping Doc but losing Harden I probably would have asked his opinion on this. If he wanted Doc gone, then then there was no debate in my mind. But he came out and sung Doc's praises the other day, so I wonder how he's feeling today. But beyond that angle, I think it felt inevitable.
2: It's hard to figure out why Doc Rivers has always gotten these opportunities. Like The answer that keeps popping into my head, and we've seen this change, and especially the head coaching spot in professional sports, is the players like him management likes him he does a good job you know like it feels like he's always been failing up since his time with boston
0: um it's an interesting way of putting it and you're probably right but you know i don't know i also think like part of doc rivers's appeal is he's won a title he can instill a winning culture and certainly a regular season Winning culture, right? You take over these teams that have been woe-be-gone franchises, you know, the Clippers and the team that never had any experience winning, and you bring in a guy who has won, and at that point it was more recent. And then now, you know, you go to Philly, a team that had come out of a long stretch of losing. And you kind of bring in a guy who's won a lot, who's been through the battles, who has accomplished a lot, and you kind of teach them how to win. The question is, and the thing that I don't really know the answer to, because I don't follow Doc Rivers closely enough, as we talked about yesterday, is, is he only a guy who can really elevate you in the regular season? Can he put in the put in the culture, put in the systems, teach you how to win in the regular season? But then he can't deliver. In the postseason, I don't know the answer to that, but it certainly seems like his ability to win in the regular season and take over these franchises that have struggled in doing that certainly is an added is a benefit to him.
2: He was a broadcaster for a long time. He can still make a lot of money doing the broadcasting thing. ESPN is always looking for new talent on the NBA side. If I'm Knock Rivers, I have had a nice coaching career. I keep getting canned. Go make some broadcasting money. Go do all that stuff. Now, you look at the 76ers sideline, too. We've seen some... Let's say unconventional hires in the NBA over the last few months, years. We saw Steve Nash with really no coaching experience get hired. We've seen Jason Kidd originally and then move back to the sidelines and then become a head coach again. I feel like Philadelphia gives me that vibe of let's try to do something different. We did trust the process for a decade plus ago. We've brought in this big talent, we've made the big move. I can see Philadelphia being one of these franchises that say, hey, Let's do something out of the box thinking here for our next head coach.
0: It's crazy because, well, all I see is Mike D'Antoni, right? Like Mike D'Antoni is a Daryl Morey guy. They were together in Houston, and D'Antoni is a, you know, and I mean D'Antoni is kind of the same as Doc, right? Good regular season coach, overrated postseason coach, a guy who hasn't gotten it done really, or or, or hasn't gotten it done often enough. So it'd be the, the Sixers are in a crazy spot. They have a ready-made. Or close to ready-made title team. They have the MVP of the league. This is not a situation where I want to be turning it over to J.J. Redick or something like that. But I also you know, need somebody better than Mike D'Antoni. And I'm amazed in the NBA at how few of those guys are actually out there. I mean, they could go and hire um mike Budenholzer, who's won a title they could do that and i'd be i'd be okay with that but bottom line is the the nba is just full of these retread coaches and it seems to be the same group essentially getting chances with the exception of the guys you mentioned who are former players who just get out of it but in the sixer situation this is not the charlotte hornets if the charlotte hornets want to ever hire jj reddick fine if the you know if, if the uh I don't know if the Oklahoma city thunder want to hire JJ Reddick fine, but this is a team that should win a title or should be close to winning a title and has the MVP of the league. I can't turn it over to somebody like that.
2: It's like doc rivers, D'Antoni, Tony, Tom Thibodeau, Rick Carlisle, <laughs> you know, like I, you're exactly right. It's like a list and of apparently Mark Jackson is still in the mix. How? Like, how does it, it's amazing. Like you think of a sport that credits themselves on being innovative that wants to do stuff different, that looks forward to the future, that has analytics. It just doesn't seem like that for coaching. I'm glad you brought up J.J. Regg, though, because he is such a prominent, we'll call unique voice in media now where he's going so different. What's it called? The new era media where him and Draymond Green, Draymond Green's obviously active, but viewing the sport in a completely different way and for some franchises that catches their eye and ears. Like, okay, this guy views basketball different. I like to see him to be the smartest guy in the room if I can, if a hire like that works for sure. Um, Am I allowed to yeah.
0: mention ESPN programming sure. on a Fox affiliate? Sure. Or not Sure. No, that?
2: we'll do it. That's okay. You so can't get fined. You don't work
0: here. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> earlier today, George, Joe Fortenbaugh on, uh, on ESPN radio said that the Sixers were built on a foundation of losing. And, you know, the whole trust the process thing that you mentioned yesterday, like contributed to it. Like, hey, these guys were brought into a system of losing and therefore they don't know how to win. I'm sorry. I can't buy that. Doc Rivers wasn't here when the team was tanking. Joel Embiid was here when the team was tanking. But by and large, that team was not the team that was tanking. I mean, Tyrese Maxey wasn't here when the team was winning 14 games. And James Harden wasn't there when the team was winning 14 games. And Daryl Morey wasn't there when the team was winning 14 games. And Ben Simmons is gone. Like, the guys who were part of the process outside of Embiid, they're all gone. Tobias Harris wasn't a part of that. So this whole, like, oh, the Sixers were built on a culture of losing – I am not buying that because none of these guys outside of Embiid were even a part of that. And we said we talked about yesterday in baseball, show the Houston Astros that I mean, that team was built by, you know, if we're doing this on a culture of losing and they seem to have turned it around pretty well.
2: Yeah, they're doing pretty good, yeah. It's hard to say you're built on a culture of losing when you're not in the franchise. You're not in the minor leagues. You're not coming from a college program that struggled and you were a big-time prospect. Right, there's no connection to that. Brady Farkas joining us here. It's LeVac and Goss, Fox Sports, five nine and 980. We're talking about some of the big stories here in the 4 o'clock hour. Brady, you are, for those who may not know, not only a Shen High School former pitcher, the Capital Region Roots Run Deep for You, but also a college baseball pitcher. The proud Oswego alum pitching for the Lakers way back when I feel like you in particular offer a unique take on the biggest headline in New York sports this week, maybe at least today, could be for the rest of the week of Aaron Judge in his eyes, wandering around a bit, looking at the dugout as a former college pitcher and someone who covers baseball professionally. What did you make of Aaron Judge yesterday against Toronto? Toronto.
0: One, using the phrase way back when, wow, I didn't realize I was getting that old that quickly. And two, (laughs) I didn't know that the division three resume, me of the ERA of 4.96 or something in my career made me qualified to do such things. But (laughs) I will say this, um, based on what I have seen today, this doesn't feel like that big a deal. I mean, Buster Olney, our buddy came out and said earlier today on Twitter that the Blue Jays themselves Feel like this was a them Problem and right there for me the Conversation ends if the Blue Jays Think that they did it wrong Then the conversation is over to me here Is here is what I am anticipating Has happened here I believe that Alejandro Kirk Was using pitch I do not Believe he was putting Signals down to be stolen I believe He was using technology as it was supposed to be Intended but I believe that He had some kind of tell That The dugout had picked up on whether that was he was giving away location, whether that was he did something different with his glove when it was off speed versus fastball. And I think that Aaron Judge is looking at the dugout because they've got a tell in the same way that, you know, pitchers have tells. I think catchers can have tells. Judge was not looking at the first base coach. Clearly, the angles of his eyes were not looking at the first base coach. He's clearly looking at the dugout. And I think that they had something and identified something and I'm, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Sign stealing has been around for a hundred years. Plus sign stealing is an art. And when it's done by the dugout within the confines of the dugout without technological aid, then I have no problem with it. In that case, the blue Jays just need to be better. And that is what they said, according to Buster Olney this morning. And so, you know, I think this is much ado about nothing. I understand why it's a conversation point, but I don't think there's anything, any reason to, uh, you know, impugn judge on this.
2: I love the quote of the tweet that Buster had too: betraying the identity of the forthcoming (laughs) pitches.
0: Can we just say they gave it away? I love Buster, but like, is he getting paid by the letter on this
2: tweet or something? Betraying the identity of the forthcoming pitches. So let's go back a little bit too, though. I love that point you talked about where it's almost been a part of this game. It's an art, I think is the way you just described it, of finding signs and stealing those signs and having that as a part of the game. And that's true. We let off the show talking about this too, that there are parts in any sport, and any level, that this is the exciting competition part of it. If you pick up an edge, and it's any game, it doesn't have to be sports. You could be playing checkers, you could be playing poker, you could be pl- oh, somebody did this. I think they're gonna do this in the next move. And you tipped it and you let it happen. Look, for little league coaches out there, and I want to ruin something for an upcoming little league game here locally, but if your coach touches their hat and then touches skin, that might be a steal sign. That might be like that was the same sign we had for 15 years. Hat to skin. Do you want to reveal any of your signs from back in the day?
0: No, I, in case I ever get back into coaching, I love my science system. And I thought it was impossible to detect belt belt is bunt. (laughs) It was belt belt was bunt back in the day for everybody, but guys like, you're right. Like you played football. If, if the offense is, if the, the defense studies tape all week and learns what the audible calls are, guess what you have cracked the code in a perfectly legal way. And that's fine. If you know that every time the quarterback says Rover, the offensive line moves to the right, well, then you're going to learn that. And every time they say Lucy, they move to the left. Then you've, you've earned the right. If I pick up a tell on you as a, as a basketball player that, Hey, when you dribble left, you shoot jump shots. And when you dribble, right, you go to the basket. That's just good film study. And that's things that you, that things that you have acquired. Maybe the blue, maybe the Yankees had something on film from Kirk done legally. Maybe they picked it up within the confines of the game legally. And if that's the case, then fine. In that case, you just need to be better. Kirk, you have pitchcom there for a reason that is there to one, make the game quicker, but two, make it harder for you know signs to be stolen or decoded. You need to close your legs better and not allow location to be seen if you are giving anything with your hands there. You need to not move as early. Uh, You know, for the location, you need to move later, something. But I I don't think there's anything nefarious here.
2: One word is going to change how I present this question, but I want you to answer both if you can. Tonight, Yankees and Blue Jays are going to face off again. We know everything that's happened now. Will there be retaliation? Should there be retaliation from the Blue Jays against Aaron Judge?
0: No and no. Um, I don't think there will be. I don't think there should be. The Blue Jays have said, we think this was our fault. Presuming that they mean that and presuming we can take it at face value. This is an internal thing that their pitchers and their catchers need to address. And therefore, to me, there's no retribution needed. Look, the the unwritten rules I'm all for. I am even okay with throwing it, guys, when it's done, you know, in the back or something like that. I've lived by that credo forever. I'm not okay with it in this case. It doesn't need to happen. It shouldn't happen. Um, you know, it, it, the Blue Jays have said it's their fault. If we take them at their word, then they'll address it internally in their own meetings, not out on the field with Judge.
2: A 7 nothing lead at that point. When we think back, how much, if at all, would those runs have really swayed the outcome of the game? Probably not that much. But the interesting part about this whole conversation is how much was let on before. How much did we not see from Buck Martinez and Dan Shulman on the broadcast. Maybe the wonderful crew they had missed a few other opportunities in the games. and That seems like some fun of it, too. Now the cameras are going to be looking a little closer at eyes. Maybe another camera inside the dugout of what's going to be happening. I think it's going to be very interesting tonight to see how not just the players react, not just the umpires, but the fans and more and Yankees, Blue Jays and everything else coming up. Uh, Brady Farkas, we appreciate you another day here on Fox Sports Radio 95.9 and 980. You are more than welcome to be back tomorrow. And by that, I mean I will be calling you, asking you, please come back tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. So thank you for doing this, my friend. Uh, Look, D3, we got love for D3 Athletics. Your credentials are very good. They let a D3 offensive lineman host this show for some reason, a utility lineman. So things are good here on
0: Fox Sports 95998. Yes, go ahead. I prefer if you're getting, you know, rather than D three, let's just remind people. I did start the Albany twilight league all-star game in 2012. I gave up a Homer on the second batter, but I did start the Albany twilight league all-star game. That might be more, uh, that might be better on the resume than, than D three washout.
2: And that's your Twitter profile. Brady Farkas. I will talk to you tomorrow, man.
0: Yes, sir. See ya. All
2: right. Coming up on the way, we give you your play of the day. Thank you to our friends over at Mohawk Chevrolet, but before We get talking about Mohawk Chevrolet. Let's talk about our friends over at Mohawk Honda. I was in this morning bright and early, had my cup of coffee, 745, getting an oil change. Shout out to John in service for taking care of me. Had that big old maintenance light go off. Had to make sure everything was good. John is the best man doing great things in the community, helping out, coaching Little League, one of the best people you want on your side. I saw everybody in there. I saw Nick and Nate doing their great social media work. I saw my guy Jordan doing his thing, running around. I feel like a coach on my Jordan, running around, making plays in Mohawk Honda. But it's great when you get to continue year after you go back and learn more and more about the people that are making your life easier. That's what it is. When you find the right vehicle that fits your budget, your lifestyle, and more, Mohawk Honda will have that, and things in your life get easier and easier certified pre-owned vehicles are there in Mohawk Honda right now. So if you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, that's the place to go. It's Glenville, New York, and we're going to be broadcasting live coming up on May 30th. So join us in Mohawk Honda if you've got questions, you're looking for some time off of work, looking for that summer road trip, that's the time to come visit us, broadcasting live, our first time on the Fox Sports Radio side from Mohawk Honda on May 30th. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. See, I get nervous to look at my phone during the show. I do. I get nervous to look at my phone during the show because I never know what's going to happen now. Now, being the father of two, maybe my wonderful wife will just text me to see what's going on. How's the show going? That's good. That's good stuff. However, you start getting updates during the day of what could be true, what's not true, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe. All that stuff happens throughout the entire day. And I had to go through my phone today. I had to wonder, like, okay, is this real? Is this not real? Let's talk about the Knicks and the Sixers, because you've heard us discuss Doc Rivers' future with the team a little bit today, what's happened involving that Philadelphia franchise, letting him go after a few seasons with the squad, and then the Sixers never getting to the conference finals under Doc Rivers. Now the reports are coming out that Joel Embiid is going to be pursued by A drum roll, please. The New York Knicks. Okay, so help me through this here, Internet. Help me through this social media landscape and more. We just talked about how trust the process should be over in Philadelphia. You blew up the whole franchise. It didn't work out. It didn't happen. All that stuff you were hoping to have happen didn't happen. And now your thought is you're going to blow it up again because you didn't get by Boston in Game 7? It seems to not make sense. And if you are a New York Knicks fan, you're going to point to the roster and say what needs to be improved. You'd say the big guy down low, Julius Randle's a fine player, maybe top 30, but he's not the MVP of the league in Joel Embiid. And some reports are coming from The Ringer and Spotify and others that the reason why the Knicks would pursue Joel Embiid, the MVP of the NBA, is because of Leon Rose. Leon Rose, World Wide West. Those associations now with the New York Knicks have worked in the past with Joel Embiid, in particular, Leon Rose, who used to be Joel Embiid's agent. Joel Embiid had talked highly of Leon Rose and wanting maybe in the future to work with him together again. But New York, you just saw Joel Embiid not get it done. Joel Embiid's final quote before he left. It was James Harden, and I can't do this alone. They gave you help. They gave you Ben Simmons. They gave you a bunch of players. So I don't know why Philadelphia or New York all of a sudden want to talk about Joel Embiid playing for the Blue and Orange. I would rather have Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards would be a better option. I think that'd be amazing to have Anthony Edwards, but maybe Minnesota's not willing to give him up for the franchise, but I'd rank it that way instead. Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. Guys, why Cat over Embiid? I know what Embiid's been. Injured, now a little sensitive to the media, Hansen stepped up in the postseason. You could make those same claims for Carl Anthony Towns, but you might not have to mortgage your future for Cat like you would for Embiid. So I'm surprised that I've seen that come across here over the last half hour to 45 minutes. And then, if that's not enough, I see this quote coming across the internet from respected NBA reporter Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, pre hype before tonight's NBA draft lottery, had this quote about all seven foot five of Victor
0: Webiniana. This is the most highly anticipated player to ever enter the NBA. And this is maybe not only the greatest prospect. Uh, in the NBA's history, maybe the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. Wow.
2: <laughs> okay, I have to laugh at that because we had Kevin Sweeney on earlier, and if you missed our conversation with Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated, check out the podcast side Apple and Spotify, iHeart, online, all that good stuff. If you're looking for the podcast, check it out. Again, Apple, Spotify, and search Levan Guys. Our conversation with Kevin Sweeney, who said he's the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, and I can get with that. Seven foot five, who can triple, can score who played against pro athletes, I can get with that. But maybe I'm being a little old school with this. Maybe I'm fatigued at this point because of YouTube and the cuts and the clips we can see of Victor Webinata. But the most, arguably, him and Shams, the most respected pro basketball reporters in this country, Adrian Wojnarowski just went on the air and said, This is the greatest prospect in the history of American sports. Maybe my bias of liking college football and liking college basketball has now turned me into, if you don't play the NCAA, I can't call you a hyped prospect. Because we've seen some hyped prospects, right? Like, we remember Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow wasn't the number one pick, but we saw the hype around him. That whole NFL draft was about Tim Tebow. You love him or hate him, we remember Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. That's my favorite NFL draft of all time. Because every pick, I legit thought Johnny Manziel was getting picked. Every single pick. Dallas? or that moment? So, Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow are just two that jumped to the top of my head. I'm not even talking about players like Joe Maurer. Kyler Murray. Tyler Murray was at first round pick and the number one overall pick in Major League Baseball's draft. And of course, the number one pick by the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL draft. Joe Maurer could have played baseball and football at Florida State. So these are just huge prospects that pop in my head. I get Victor Webiniana is seven foot five, seven foot four, whatever you want to list him on an NBA roster. And he's got this skill set. But to come out today and call him the greatest prospect in the history of American team sports, when you listening right now may never have watched him play a single game, the American sports fan may have never seen Victor Webiniana play anything, except if they know how to get on YouTube or Twitter and their Instagram, TikTok, but we're going to call him the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. And we're going to find out if it's the Pistons or the Rockets, or the Spurs, or some other team's going to get Lucky, who's bailed on this entire season and hopes to get him. That's a lot of pressure. We get number 1 overall. Picks are always under pressure. But not to have Woj say that before the lottery, and if that's the hype now in mid-May, what are we going to get for the next six weeks leading up to the NBA draft? What are we going to get till tip-off in October? What are we going to after his first game? I'm luckily old enough to remember the LeBron hype when Jay Billis and Sean McDonough and Bill Walton, basically the A-teams now of broadcasting teams, were calling a 17-year-old's basketball game in Akron, Ohio. I remember the hype around that pre-social media. That was insane. I thought in my life I'd never see something like that before. But now with the different ways to hype up athletes, Zion had a lot of hype around him. Bronny James is going to have a lot of hype around him now that he's declared to USC. Victor Webinata might be the best creative character prospect you can build in a video game of all time. I can hear that out. But the hype, the most hyped prospect in the history of American team sports. I'm not ready to get that hot with a take like Woj was earlier today. But speaking about hot, I've been hot for our plays of the day. If you ever want to offer up a play of the day, by the way, you can always do that on social media. Connect connect with the show on Twitter at wofx nine eighty at Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. If you want to follow our guy LeVac on social media, follow him on Twitter at d Levac L-E-V-A-C-K. Tweet about how his life in Orlando is going right now. I'm on a hot streak right now. Show Otani. Baltimore or as I told you yesterday, over eight runs. If it wasn't for Aaron Judge and the wandering eyes going back and forth through the Blue Jays' dugout, Otani might have been the talk of the show today with a bomb he hit in Baltimore last night. The runs that were being put up for the Angels and the O's in that match. So we had the over yesterday, but I did the hottest knock on wood. I can feel myself jinxing myself as I talk out loud about this game coming up. My play of the day is Lakers Nuggets. Under 225 and a half. So again, I play for the day under 220, 222 and a half, not 225, 222 and a half. So why are we playing the under tonight in Lakers, Doug? It's Brady Farkas did a great job talking about this earlier today, about the pace of this series. Los Angeles is still an older team. Denver has got a really deep bench, a lot of different matchups that come off that bench for Denver. We know what Jamal Murray's been able to do. There's been reports that he's going to be a game-time decision tonight. But if Murray's in the lineup with Jokic, this is the team that Denver has hoped for years to have. This has been what they've been waiting for. If it wasn't for Jamal Murray's injury about 18 months ago, we may have seen the Nuggets get back to more conference finals, their most recent one in 2020. If Los Angeles wants to stay in the series, they have to win game one. Because Denver could blow away the Lakers in this series. They battled, even though they stepped away as winners in that series against Phoenix. They battled with the Suns. The Suns and Nuggets is the best NBA series so far in the playoffs. Tons of offense, tons of action, great shooting, 60% plus from the field. Teams were not missing. And they took down Phoenix. So think about the most recent results here for the Nuggets, okay? And where you think about getting the line and getting average, 125-100, win. That's over 222. 110-102, right on the button. 120 to 124 over 121 to 114 over. So I've got four overs right there. 118 to 112. I think I said 110. So the last four games with that number that's been posted, Denver has gone over. Everyone would say high-powered offense. What guys just said, right? Like Phoenix series is all about offense. Why wouldn't they hit over 222 tonight? That's the thing. Lakers slow down the pace. Let Anthony Davis set up. We'll let LeBron get out there. We'll see if Reeves can continue to have the impact that he's had in this series. That's how the Lakers win and get to the NBA finals. They got to win games like ninety-eight to ninety-two, one hundred to ninety-seven. Any of these games start hitting one hundred and five, one hundred and ten. Jokic is too good down low. They got enough three better shooting three balls from Denver coming out. That's a better matchup for Denver. So, I will take the under tonight. And my prediction in that is Denver wins the series in five. And I will take Boston in five as well. I think these are both going to be blowouts. Miami's had a really good run, but Boston's such a better matchup there. They've got better stars on the floor. Miami's played about as well as they could against New York. They benefited from the Milwaukee injury. But that's my play tonight. Two twenty-two and a half and a half under in Denver, LA. Let's see if we can stay hot with all that coming up. Coming up on the way, we got Covino and Rich. And then coming up at 6.10, the Boston Red Sox pregame show. They're going to take on the Seattle Mariners tonight. Looking forward to that game and call as well. Brady Farkas is going to join us again tomorrow. We got a little exciting. I want to tease it, but we might have a former Capital Region connection. We've had a bunch this week. We've had Kevin Sweeney. We've had Brady Farkas. Another Capital Region sports voice you might know already. You actually might hear on Fox Sports Radio. It's a nice radio tease for you. Coming up on the way again, Cavino and Rich. Five o'clock Red Sox pregame six ten coverage underway. Levack and Goss here. Five ninety five nine to nine eighty Fox Sports Radio.